Hello, this is the Million Vegan Grandmothers podcast, and I have Gerard Bishop, the founder and the executive, um, I think, president, or I guess you don't really call it president when we're talking about foundations, but of the World Preservation Foundation. And when we look at the World Preservation Foundation, we see this amazing amazing discovery which we all are going to know about very very soon because that's the way the world is is heading towards is that a plant-based diet eliminating meat and fish and chicken and dairy from our diets allows us to preserve the earth very very quickly so i am so honored to have you gerard it's a great pleasure and thank you tammy for inviting me uh, on your program um, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've done a bit of work for the World Preservation Foundation. It, it sounds it sounds great, but uh, it's just a handful of us doing voluntary work. Um, we were involved quite heavily uh, backgrounding the the uh, documentary "Eating Our Way to Extinction." So uh, my job as a, a previous scientist, my job there was to make sure that uh, all the facts were checked and the science was. Uh, was scrutinised. So um, yes, that, that's uh, based on, on uh, non-controversial science. It's all peer-reviewed so government reports and so on. Um, but it, And that's important to get right these days. So many people can shoot off their mouths, uh, express opinions, and people think it's uh, truth. But um, sadly not. Uh, so we, we're very careful to um, to look at the truth. And the truth is just mind-boggling at the moment. Um, our planet and the people on it are in grave peril. Um, I, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, planetary boundaries work that's been done uh, at the Copenhagen Resilience Centre, but um, it's, it's now determined that there's nine systems that support life on Earth and we've overstepped at least five of those. And if we overstep any one of those, it actually endangers all life on Earth. So we are in a, in a pretty perilous situation. I mean, um, I, I'm normally um, uh, optimistic, but and there are solutions. There are some very, very effective and optimistic solutions for all of it. But unless we change course rapidly, um, we are headed for a, 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 a very different world for future generations. I look at my kids and the youngest is six months old and I think, what will this planet be like? Uh, when I grew up, it was all rosy and shiny and we could take what we liked from nature. We could, we could, we had an array of jobs, whatever you want to do. Um, money uh, wasn't a problem. Um, the world was flourishing. Um, but now it's it's very different. And we can get to a situation where it, it will flourish again, but we've got to change. Um, and, the, and the first is the attitude towards planet Earth. This is our mother. This is what gave us life. And we are trashing it. Um, so if, if you like, um, one of the, the, the planetary boundaries that we've most overstepped is biodiversity loss. Now, that sounds rather dry and 
academic, but biodiversity loss is what about the life on Earth? How are we going with the life on Earth? Well, the latest uh, each year, WWF looks at the global footprint and looks at populations of wild animals. And it appears that um, populations of, of animals that were here before humanity got started have shrunk by 69%. Wow. So, so we've killed off more than two-thirds of life on Earth. Um, and that's rather frightening. If you look at the, the mammals, the, the uh, you know, vertebrates that breathe and have kids, uh, rather than eggs. Um, if if you look at the mammals, um, the wildlife on Earth, the mammals from from mice up to uh, elephants and whales, that that's just four percent of the of the biomass of the weight of of mammals on Earth. Um, humans now thirty percent, and by far the greatest weight of animal is. Our, uh, the animals that we breed to eat. Um, and because these animals that we breed to eat are um, bred for extreme growth and productivity, um, they actually consume not twice as much as what humans do, but five times as much. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the pressure on our um, resources um, on the on the on the biomass produced uh, on planet Earth is extreme, and we we've pushed it way way past uh, what what is sustainable. And and the possibility what happens is when you push it past what is sustainable, you can do it for a while. It's like overspending on your credit card, and you can do it for a while. And you can get another credit card and and max that out, spent paying off the last credit card. But eventually it catches up with you and you become bankrupt or you uh, go to jail. But um, I'll just give you an example of, of what, what's the logical conclusion for uh, the biodiversity and, and the way we're pushing it. it we've, we've, we've taken from nature. We've, we considered, we've considered nature to be our resource. Um, you know, my my stepfather, his job was cutting down the best trees in the forest, basically. He made a, a, quite a handsome living out of cutting down red cedar in Australia. And then later on, he got a crew of people and they started the deforestation. So he was doing that not to trash the environment. He was doing that to put food on the table, to to give jobs to people, to provide food for a, a growing country, to, to feed the nation. Um, and it was lauded. It was the best thing to do. It was called development. Um, but now we realise that we way overstepped development. And so um, if we keep trashing nature, it will come back to bite us. And it has in many ways. Uh, one of them is the pandemics. We've pushed nature into a corner. When, when wild animals get stressed, as they do when we push it into a corner, the, the, that stress increases the viral load in their systems dramatically. 
And when we have close contact with these animals, that's when the viruses start to jump. So many of these viruses, uh, Ebola, two thirds of all communicable diseases are zoonotic diseases. In other words, they've come from animals. So we've, we've pushed nature into this corner. And, and by doing that, we're actually endangering our own lives. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, the Amazon jungle uh, rainforest is, is the most biodiverse, the largest rainforest, the most biodiverse place on earth. Now, what's happened is that, oh, it's got a, it's got a really nice cycle. This, this is how... It, it demonstrates, if you like, how forests make rain. Um, what happens is that the Amazon River runs from west to east, and there's a, another what they call river in the sky that runs the opposite direction. So all the evaporation and trans, trans, uh, from, the, from the rainforest goes up into the air along with aerosols that, that uh, form rain droplets. So what happens is that is this enormous amount of water equal in, in volume to what's in the river is in the air above and it rains and it, it cycles. But this, this river in the sky, it doesn't just uh, rain on the, on the Amazon. It then turns south and rains on the whole of Brazil and a few other countries. And, and this rainfall has been so predictable and, and so good that um, Brazilian agriculture is incredibly productive. They have two and sometimes three rain-fed crops per year. So they have an incredibly productive agriculture. But what's happened is that we've cut down 20% of the Amazon rainforest. And of course, you know what that's for. 85% of it has been for uh, grazing animals or for crops like um, soy and uh, maize um, to feed Europe and China's uh, animals, China, its pigs. But um, scientists have been saying for some time that, that, that the Amazon, because it generates its own rainfall, there is a threshold beyond which that rainfall generation will stop. And scientists have been saying, well, this is about 20%. And right now we have cut down about 20% of the Amazon. And in the last 10 years, we've had the first ever droughts in the Amazon. Hmm. The, 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 what, what has been predicted is happening. So when we talk about biodiversity loss and we talk about ecological collapse, that's exactly what we're seeing here. And they're saying now that the majority of the of the Amazon could revert to open savanna because it just won't have the rainfall to support the rainforest as it is now, which is a tragedy for all the animals that live in that rainforest. The 70% of the biodiversity on Earth lives in forests. And and my I'll, I'll give you an example of my personal experience. It it it's it's you you're just gobsmacked when you see it up close. You, you you look at the deforestation process, and they've invented a really good one in Australia, really effective. And what it is is you get two of the biggest bulldozers you can imagine, D11s, D9s, maybe fifty to hundred ton bulldozers, and you have a chain between them, and that 
And that chain, a huge chain, each link of the chain is more than you can lift. So this is a massive chain and they, and they, uh, they charge ahead with the chain between them and they just pull the trees over. Uh, they, they literally rip the trees out of the ground and it's called tree pulling. Um, and, and even trees that are 20, 30 metres tall, you know, even almost 100 foot tall, they just get smashed. And the noise is uh, unbelievable. The, the, the roar of the dozers, the clank of the chain, the, the smashing, cracking, banging, uh, thudding of all the trees when they're coming over. And the wildlife go crazy, um, particularly um, in Australia, we've got these cockatoos and corellas that have a piercing shriek and that noise just goes straight through you it's it's deafening it's it's haunting it's 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 awe inspiring how how we can trash nature so so readily so um that's my experience and and i see that and my job actually was to monitor that uh, my my science team um we we found over 30 years we had an average of 10 square 10 square kilometers per day that's about two and a half thousand acres per day being trashed for grass-fed industries uh mainly beef so two and a half thousand acres per day and and this is current this is right now this has been happening for the last 40 years and it's the same. It's it not. It it's it's about half the area of what's happening in in the Amazon, but uh, not as dense a forest. It's a more open woodland, but still. What happens to the wildlife when you see this? You, 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 wildlife is territorial. It depends very much on food, and so when you take away the habitat, as they do, two and a half thousand acres a day. The wildlife doesn't just get up and walk to another area of untouched bush because there's other communities that live there. When you take away the habitat for the wildlife, the, the wildlife dies. That's it. Birds have a bit better future if they can survive eating something of what, what's replacing it. Like if they can eat some grain, they're, they're okay of the crops but most of the wildlife doesn't survive it it just dies and this is exactly what we've done over all these years of deforestation we we've actually um we we've, we've there's a lot of different estimates because um and my game was was remote sensing satellite mapping and so it's really hard to get a handle on this but we've We've taken out about three trillion trees so far. And of all the forests on Earth, only about one eighth is untouched. In other words, a lot of it's degraded, a lot of it's uh, uh, logged and recovering or, or um, uh, thinned, as they call it. Um, and, and so we've, we're on, that, on, the, on the way to... to destroying all the forest on earth and what's going to happen is the ecological collapse forests generate rain so rain is with which which dictates our food you know the the the, the food growing areas on the planet depend totally on rain so if we change the rain cycles 
like we are doing by changing the vegetation, then we are endangering ourselves. So we're not immune from um, taking from nature, taking what we want, trashing those trees. And, it, and it's funny because like the last or one of the last trips I did, uh, I was a, a management in the end, but I, 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 got out, I got out on a few of these trips and we, we stayed in these little communities and you stay in, um, I think it was the Mount Coolan Hotel, little old timber hotel, 100 years old. And, and we were known as the tree police, <laughs> the, the government. So you turn up in a government vehicle and they look sideways at you. And we got in, it was just about dark and we got into the, into the main public bar to have a drink. And the conversation stops. And it, it, it was really hard to get out of there because they were all they were ganging up on us. And But in the end, you know, we talked, 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 talked. But in the end, I had this woman say to me that they, they've got a farm. It's a family farm, but they put so much into it that they have a huge uh, debt on this farm. And the only thing they can do to, to service that debt is to make sure they maximise their productivity. And the only thing that land is good for, it's good for growing trees, in my opinion, but in, 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 if you're a farmer, the only thing the land is good for is growing beef cattle. So she was crying. She was saying, look, this is all the agronomists, all the government people, all the, all the, uh, you know, the industry experts are telling us we have to clear the trees or we can't afford to repay our loan. So where, where have we got? Where has humanity? We backed ourselves into a corner so tight that we've got to trash the environment to service our loan you know it, it's it's back there somewhere she she knows she was crying back there somewhere she knows that you can't keep trashing the environment forever it comes back to bite you mm -hmm. so that's where we are right now on planet earth the the, the amazon is not um is not alone the the rain patterns have totally changed in Australia because we've we've taken out a lot of trees. Um, but we're not alone either. All, all around the world, um, the, the rain patterns have changed. And and rain equals food for us humans. So, um, yeah, biodiversity loss, it sounds, it's a, you know, it, it, it sounds academic, but it's really our life. You know, we depend on those bees on those butterflies, on those, all the animals that keep these ecosystems alive and functioning. It's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty sad position that we're in at the moment. Um, so you said you still feel hope, you still, and beyond hope, you still feel this, the possibilities yeah. of what humanity is capable, you know, in, in some of the, you know, in some of the traditions that I'm involved in, there's, there's this 
understanding that we're in the greatest awakening on planet earth and that for every you know extreme there's the counter you know the counter to that and i would love it if you could share a little bit about you know the passion it gives you to be a grandfather and mm. and um and the remembering of the joy you know they're here and they're not thinking about, well, you know, I might only be here for 10 years. They're just enjoying themselves and really, and it's up to us, you know, big people to make sure they understand how they can help us clean up the mess, right? So are your yeah. grandchildren plant-based or vegan yet? Or <laughs> how does that work? I yeah, um, right. Yeah, they, they eat vegan whenever I'm around because I, I cook, uh, but um yeah we we um you know um they're, they're vegan a lot both of my son's families i've been pushing them and pushing them gently um and not so gently at times but um yeah they're on their way they're, they're future vegans um yeah but but look the, the, where does hope come from uh for the future exactly you look at the young kids They've got wisdom beyond their years. Uh, they know right from wrong, um, and and thankfully, my the old the old guys generation is is over uh, or <laughs> coming to an end. So um, hopefully, the the youngest ones. But 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 the but the future on planet Earth is can turn around so quickly. Um, and this is why I love the work of uh, Salish Rao. He's uh, such a visionary, um, and 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 his work with climate is is so profoundly different. Everyone in the climate change community is is deals within this very narrow envelope, this very narrow lens that is the IPCC agreed rules. He doesn't. He he looks at the bigger picture, and and for example. Um, the, the the deforestation is accounted for in the IPCC records as a net accounting. So they they take the the emissions from deforestation and they subtract the the uh, amount of uh, carbon dioxide that's soaked up by other vegetation that's growing or regrowing on managed lands, and. That, that but but if you separate that if you if you if you take out the the full amount of the deforestation and the full amount of the revegetation sequestration and add that to the untouched the, ver, the 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 intact lands you find that right now um the regrowth that is happening as well as the drawdown that's happening on intact lands is about 85% of all the fossil fuel emissions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're very close. We're very close to reversing all the fossil fuel contribution. We're not close at all to reversing the deforestation emission. And when you go back, as Salish Rao does, you go back in time to before the Industrial Revolution, which is when the, the United Nations rules start, you find that the cumulative emissions from deforestation 
are greater than all the fossil fuel emissions. So this is amazing. This, this turns the whole climate change scenario on its head. It, it's saying that the main game for climate change has always been trees and it always will be, not fossil fuels, because fossil fuels release this other stuff, as Salish so beautifully puts, that, that aerosols that cool just as much as the carbon dioxide warms. So you can almost set aside the, um, the, the climate impact of fossil fuels. It's only, there was a paper came out about six months ago that, that uh, saw that fossil fuels, if you count the cooling as well as the warming, fossil fuels have caused just 20% of global warming. Who would have thought that? I mean, you ask anyone, they'll say, what's the main cause of global warming? They'll say fossil fuels and carbon dioxide. But no, most of that 20% is actually caused by methane <laughs> because methane doesn't have the co-emitted cooling mm -hmm. aerosols. So this is astounding. You know, methane itself has caused more than half a degree of warming. And so if, if we were, if, if, if you were a, a, a politician looking at, at uh, addressing climate change, methane should be number one, but it's not because of the way the IPCC and the United Nations have framed the rules. And this is why I love Salish. He's, he's trashed the rules, thrown them out the window, saying, okay, what's really going on? Trees. It's always been trees. It always is trees. An example, a, a small example. Uh, we're often told that a molecule of carbon dioxide that's emitted from our tailpipe of our car, it stays in the atmosphere for centuries. But, but the isotope studies tell us that every molecule of carbon dioxide is recycled through the vegetation every two years. So in two years, we are breathing the earth is breathing it's taking in the carbon dioxide and back out again all we've got to do is increase the lungs a bit to increase that breathing to increase the, the the drawdown of carbon dioxide and that won't take much in fact um if you know if we if we just ditch red meat and dairy that frees up all the grazing lands of the world which is actually enough to rewild uh, we rewild 40 percent of the planet so that'll that'll solve the carbon crisis the, the the climate crisis that will solve the biodiversity crisis because to animals habitat is everything take away the habitat take away the animals they die so there's so many other things that the the water cycles will change the the rainfall will change the extremes it, you know we can we can and there, and there's studies that show we can actually cool the planet we can do that just by just with methane forget about carbon dioxide just with methane we can cool the planet if we if we slash those emissions enough you know a major chunk and we can we can do that easily so we can cool the planet and we can fix the long term of the planet and we can and we can bring back nature. We can, you know, even if we keep industrial ag. If you look at crops, 
the world's crops. You know, the, the, there was there was a lot of talk about the Colorado River and where that water goes. Well, um, most of the water goes to agriculture, about seventy percent, and of that, about seventy percent. Uh, no, yeah, sorry, 85% goes to agriculture. Of that, 70% goes to feed crops for animals. So, you know, if you, even, uh, California is incredibly productive. You know, it, it's a salad bowl. It's the, it's the producer of fruit and veg for the whole of the US. It's, it's amazing. And, and that's based on the Colorado River, uh, snow fed and so on. So if if we stop um, sucking out seventy percent of that eighty five percent works works out of uh, just over half the water of the river, you can still have that very productive other agriculture, almonds, you name it, um, no worries at all. And uh, by doing that, of course, you're you're about halving the amount of nitrogen you're pouring on. So the dead zones in the ocean are going to start clearing up, et cetera. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the impact of, of putting aside this incredibly inefficient, inefficient, people talk to me about efficiency or waste in food. And, and it's incredible. I mean, chicken is the most efficient converter from from feed to meat. And eating chicken, it's the equivalent of lining up five plates of pasta in front of us, throwing out four of them and eating one. So the waste there is, well, you know, what can we justify that at all? It's it's incredibly wasteful. It, we've got to reverse that wastefulness. We've got to move away from animal products. We've got to move to the basics, which is the healthy stuff. Um, and, and we've got to have respect for our planet, re respect for all life on Earth, so that, so that wildlife can reclaim the land, can, can, can rise back from that 4% of the mammals that it is now back to something that that's um, um, healthy <laughs> and and we can do it because it's it's so easy in fact nature is busting to do it but each year uh, we, we, uh, we've got two systems right two systems that prevent nature from coming back uh, the first is um, sheep they're incredible. They'll, as soon as a sapling pokes its head up, chomp, it's gone. Um, Scotland is, a, is an example of that. They, the highland clearance, they took out all the trees uh, for sheep and put sheep on it, and now the sheep um, take out everything. So Scotland's name used to be Caledonia. Caledonia means forest. That's the name. So went from total forest to almost totally denuded. Um, and, and, and that's because of the sheep. If, and, and they are rewilding some areas, but they, they, they work hard and they're strengthening their defences to keep the sheep out. The other thing we use is fire. And the sheep are used in the temperate regions. Fire is used in the tropics where you get a strong wet and dry season. 
and in dry season they always burn and the burning uh, gets rid of the old dead grass which is not unpalatable they don't like it so much it, and it creates new green pick when it does rain and it also kills off the ticks and um, it also kills off any woody weeds <laughs> don't you love these said woody weeds it stops the forests from recovering so the forest is aching to bounce back as long as we get rid of the sheep and cattle and stop burning in fact there was one paper that said africa is burned so much if they stop burning half of the sub-saharan africa could revert to forest because it's high rainfall so you know we have so modified this world we have totally changed this world and we can totally change it back again it's uh, just a matter of choice i i do have you know I, I i do think that humans are slow but not stupid so we will get it in time we will get it and uh there's so much information out there so much science backing this up now that it's it's become uh you know you can't hide it anymore um and and even though we're, a lot of the science community is trying hard, very hard to ignore Salish Rao, um, they will in time uh, get with the program. Thank you, Gerard. And, you know, um, talking so much about the trees and, and that being such a huge part of your work for uh, multi-decades, it's just to, you know, let the listeners know this isn't an invitation to start eating fish because the the oceans have been incredibly depleted it's 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 the call to go completely plant-based and which is so easy and organic veganic if we can you know as close as we can because we know the chemicals that are being used in industrial uh, commercial food and getting really close to our food, you know, whether it's sprouting or, and getting our grandchildren involved. You know, my grandson said to me the other day, Oma, do you remember I've been making green juice with you since I was a baby? <laughs> you know, he's reminiscing at six. And so, <laughs> in fact, we can make, you know, as grandparents, you know, uh, letting, letting, letting the world know we're here, that we're ferocious and hopefully you know, Gerard, you're going to join the Million Being Grandmothers. Silesh is, is one of us. It's not just the grandmothers. We're a group of grandparents and, and grandchildren that are saying we're joining forces to let the world know that our ferocious love for these people is unstoppable. And that, and to let them know, you know, Silesh says that it is his granddaughter that fuels him. It, that allows him to never feel discouraged or worn out. And I know that's true for me. If I need a little upgrade and I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with the world, I go out in the trees or I go see my grandchildren. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I live in an aspen forest, so they seem to regenerate pretty quick here. They're quite beautiful, uh, beautiful way. So any final words, Gerard, on, you know, the, the future, what we can imagine, what we can imagine creating and helping our grandchildren with? Yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's it. it it's, um, it's looking to the future. It, it's, 
it's looking beyond our, our problems in right in front of us, and they are many. Mm -hmm. Social problems, financial problems, all of those things. Um, we can we can get to a world where kids have good, nourishing food, healthy food, where we we won't have the burden of of hospital medical care like we need now, where we won't be controlled by the big corporations. Um, you know, big meat very effectively put the kibosh on uh, the climate talks. Um, they, they've, they've had an extremely high um, impact on the climate talks. But the voices are being heard. The voices are coming through. And, um, yeah, we've, we've got to stay positive. And, and, and I, think, um, I think it's happening. It, it, there's, a, there's a big project called Project Drawdown. And Jonathan Foley, he's the, he heads that up, and he's done a lot of different sorts of work. And he's a scientist, basically. But he, <laughs> I love what he said uh, one time in a, in a talk that he gave. He, th he said, things happen very, very, very slowly and then all at once. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's happening here. It, the, the, it, the message will sink in very, very, very slowly, but people will get it all at once because it's becoming increasingly clear, like uh, most people have experienced the floods, the fires, the, the impact of the, the mad, mad climate that it is now. And there's a, there's a town not far from where I live here, and the Lord Mayor um, was being interviewed about the most recent flood, which took out most of this town centre. And she said, you know, if these are one in a hundred year events, I must be 500 years old. So that's, that's what it is. It's affecting people in that way. They, and, and the penny is dropping. People are being affected. People are realizing that, um, you know, there's still people homeless from the last floods here. Um, it, you know, it, it affects us, the community greatly. We can't ignore it. Um, so that will sink in and we'll, we'll develop ears and we'll look for solutions that are already out there, thanks to so many people, uh, such as the vegan grandmothers, you know, and, and Sally Shroud, climate healers and eating our way to extinction and the many other uh, in, informations and uh, you know the the many other documentaries that have been made the the many people working tirelessly the doctors the veganic doctors the um you know the the new lord mayor of new york um how good is that education for doctors wow what a crazy idea <laughs> loving it but that that's it that's it's it's happening it may may not be as fast as we want it but um if, if enough of us work together, um, we can get there. And I'm fairly confident, 
no, very confident that we will. And thanks to, you know, all the good works such as yours. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gerard, for this time. And, um, and here we are for our grandchildren. And um, it's kind of a place that gives us great strength, but also great love. And a little shout out to all the grandchildren out there that are holding space for, for what we're going to do in the next, well, maybe even in the next three years, Silish's vision of a vegan world 2026, that half of the world will be vegan by that point. And I know uh, Will had a date, Dr. Will Tuttle had a date also somewhere near that time that 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 we would see way more vegans. And it, it has been a slow movement. I think it really, you know, was named in the 40s, 50s, veganism and very, very small percentage of people became vegan since then. But it's increasing quicker than it's ever been. And so that's a very hopeful thing. Well, thanks again mm -hmm. for the time and this opportunity to interview you. Thank you so much, Tammy. It's been a great pleasure. Great, thank you.